Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason, and we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Welcome to Screamplay, a show about spooky video games, with your hosts, Tom and John Ryman. Hey guys, welcome back to Screamplay. A story of two brothers playing awesome horror video games and talking about them. I am your co-host, John. Uh, and I'm your other co-host, Tom Ryman. Oh, yes. My last name is Ryman, but I figured that there was... There you go. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, you kind of... <laughs> redundant. Kind of blazed through that that, well, uh, that that introduction like a bear in the dark. Well, I mean, that's what I do. That's what yeah, I'm here for. Yeah. Like a bear in a cardboard maze. Yeah, like 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 a like a chainsaw guy in a abandoned mental hospital. Yeah, or in a oh wait no, I was about to say in a barn, but that's not chainsaw guy. Um, yeah. folks, thanks for stopping in. Thanks for listening. Um, we said welcome back, although I think this is technically going to be the first episode you hear. Oh Jesus, I fucked it up. Don't worry about it. Listen, listen. We recorded a pilot episode, but the audio wasn't so great. So we figured, hey, let's just record the second episode we have planned and put them out both at the same time. Uh, so you get two little, two little screenplay uh, little morsels to, to sink your little fangs into. We're ghouls. doing an HBO uh, double episode release. Yeah, it's like an HBO premiere, for sure. Yeah. Um. So, do you, do you want to tell them what game we're talking about? Oh man, I would love to tell them what game we're talking about. Uh, we I'll, are I'll talking sit about zip my lips. Uh, the I think it's 2012, um, 2014, 2014, 2014. That's right, man. Uh, the Evil Within, released by Bethesda, but uh, worked mm. on by Tango GameWorks and the Workshop. Um, Tango GameWorks, of course, Shinji Mikami's uh, game company, and this is kind of his. Uh, foray back into survival horror. Uh, and he, right. in case you guys don't know, uh, was the uh, creator of Resident Evil and did the uh, Resident Evil remake, uh, the first one, and uh, Resident Evil 4. So it's got a good pedigree here. You can really feel the 4 vibes in this game. You really like, can. <laughs> Evil Within feels like Resident Evil 4's stepbrother, or like a kid Resident Evil 4 hung out a lot with in high school or something like that. It's 
it's very similar vibes, I think. And they listened to Danzig in their room. Yeah. And smoked clove cigarettes. Yeah, but with the windows open, because they don't give a damn who hears it. Oh, no, they don't. Um, so what we're going to do, guys, uh, this show, we just talk about uh, spooky video games. We take a tour of Spookaboo Manor, where we go over the horror elements of the video game. Uh, and then we go to what I'm going to start calling the Boneyard, uh, which Ooh. is just getting into the game section, the bones of the game and uh, how it plays. And then we decide whether or not to buy the VHS. Essentially, does this belong in a horror gamer's uh, collection? Um, but Tom... Yes, or does it deserve to to molder away on the shelf of some lonely blockbuster? Yeah. But Tom, yeah. Before we get into the game, before we greet Vincent Price over at Spookaboo Manor, mm-hmm. before any of that stuff happens, you and I were in an alley. We're just just fresh off a case. Yeah. Uh-huh. All it's it's pouring down rain, but we have to we have to wait to get picked up mm-hmm. by Connolly. We're I'm all out of cigarettes. Light, trying to light a cigarette anyway, <laughs> even though it's pouring down rain. And I'm all out of cigarettes. Uh, mm. But we have some time to kill. So, Tom, I would like you to introduce us to this game and tell me a scary story. Boy, I'd love to. Okay, so you probably gathered it from the little uh, sort of description we did in the run-up. But The Evil Within is a 2014 third-person survival horror action game uh, released for most consoles of the previous generation. PS4, uh, Xbox One. I think it might have been on PC. I'm not positive. Um but in it, you play, um, it's it's very much a Resident Evil 4 kind of style of survival horror action game. Uh, you play a detective named Sebastian Castellanos, who is responding to a weird call at the local uh, mental hospital. And he, they show up there with, with, his, with his two sidekicks and some other random cop who's definitely not going to get killed in the first 10 minutes. Um, and they find a bunch of dead bodies there. And then all of a sudden, this weird sound pulses out and the world around them changes and thereafter they are trapped in this weird ever-shifting nightmare version of reality where everything is like gore and blood and there's zombies and other unspeakable monsters crawling around uh, and the world is constantly shifting around you at, at at without any notice so you're you're always super disoriented it's a lot like that uh movie the cell um, because we do ultimately find out that, uh, you are trapped, um, in, you have been incepted within the mind of, uh, a serial murdering, uh, amateur doctor named Ruvik, um, who is basically being experimented on. They're using his brain to do some sort of inception type, type thing. Um, and anyway, you're trapped inside his mind. So that explains why the world is this weird nightmarish reality is because you're literally inside this crazy person's mind and you have to fight your way out through monsters that represent different uh, parts of his psyche and different like defense mechanisms within his own brain um, until you emerge triumphant at the end by killing a giant brain. I think I got it all. <laughs> <laughs> you use a, you yeah. use a use a collection of standard survival horror weapons. Ammo and resources are very scarce. There's also a a body burning mechanic that is sort of reminiscent of the first Resident Evil remake, where you had to burn certain corpses or else they would come back to life as super monsters. Um, and there's a sneaking mechanic in here. 
um, it, as well as some light puzzles. It's a it's a pretty classic uh, survival horror game that had some new elements tossed in, things that were new in, in 2014 that hadn't really been explored in a survival horror action game like this before. Right. Um, of course, yeah. we'll be talking about all of those when we get to the Boneyard. How are you feeling on the Boneyard? I'm feeling that. Yeah, no, let's go with it. I like bones. All right. I like yards. Yeah. I like bones I mean, we in rate, yards. We, I feel we like rate, that's where they belong. We rate the games based on how many bones uh, the gameplay is. So, the bone Yeah, yard. No. no. But I think that works. We can't go into the bone yard just yet, Tom. No. Because no, no, we have another to stop pay, we must make first. We have to pay a visit to our friend Vincent Price and enter Spookaboo Manor. Now I invite you to step inside Spookaboo Manor. This is the section of the uh, podcast where we go over the horror elements of the video game uh, and just basically talk about how scary it is. Um, well, I did the I did the spooky story, so why don't you start this one? I will. Uh, so um, Shinji Mikami uh, came back because uh, he said. Uh, he came back to survival horror because it became too action oriented for his taste, which is interesting because I'll have something to say about that later on. But um, I mean, definitely, definitely like at the time it was like Resident Evil five and Resident Evil six went yes, real hard in action direction. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, where it's all just basically like you have all the ammo and all the guns in the world and you're just blowing things apart. And, um, he wanted to get back to the real basics. And in his words, he's like, I wanted you to be firing rapidly at this monster, be almost out of ammo, just screaming, just die already. And then with your last bullet, you blow his brains apart. And then just that have that kind of post-Dark Souls boss cathartic release and cheer. Um which I think he was very effective in doing because Tom, honestly, this is one of the scariest fucking games I've ever played. I agree, but continue. And then I'll chime in with, with my thoughts. Okay. Um, so the, the game, unlike, uh, we talked about in a prior, um, episode, uh, where, you know, like grounding you in the environment was, uh, the key to the game in this one it's keeping you disoriented um, yes. you start off in the city but then the city it, it looks like you know your standards standing for like new york or los angeles or something and then um you go out in the outskirts of the city and all of a sudden you're like in eastern europe yeah uh, you're in they, like a, these, a prussian village or some yeah, shit and you even call attention to it uh when uh you're walking around with your partner, Joseph. You're like, these houses, I've never seen this area before. These houses don't look like they're from here. Where the hell are we? And the game is constantly doing that to you to keep you off your toes. So the second you start getting used to an area, it pulls you away from that and then throws you into some other uh, hellscape. And... Um, like you said in uh, the very beginning, a lot of these monsters, uh, the first guy you, um, uh, a lot of the monsters are based on different aspects of Ruvik's psyche. Uh, so 
you know, the uh, very first guy you come in contact with, you're hanging, you're hanging upside down. You don't know where you are, and you're in this kind of meat locker. And uh, this chainsaw guy's just cutting people apart. Yeah, you're in a slaughterhouse. Yeah, you're it's... in a slaughterhouse. Um, <laughs> the first, very first part of the game, they do not give you a gun. You have to sneak no, through. Or much indication of what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> oh, okay. You see, yeah. you're hanging upside down. You have to swing up to get a key. They don't really tell you that. But once you get down... It turns into this huge game of cat and mouse between you and this just absolute monstrosity uh, that is wheeling a chainsaw and actually wounds you um, pretty early on. So you are like limping and moving very slowly uh, through this uh, hospital basement. And good Lord, that is that is one of the yeah. most sphincter clenching sequences in that game. And it's yeah. what they start you off with. Yeah, the opening level of this game, that opening chase with Chainsaw Man, is pretty incredible. And it's also really, really intense. And that's how this game starts. Like, this game is a constant battle to get you to keep playing. Because, uh, like you said, I totally agree. The biggest part of what makes this game so frightening is that the world is constantly changing and it's keeping you disoriented. So you never know what the rules are. So you can't really prepare for the next scenario because you don't really know what the limits of the game are. Like, you don't know the limits of what the game is going to be able to throw at you. So it starts you out in this nightmare scenario where you're hanging on a meat hook. You got to sneak by this chainsaw guy, but he slashes your foot almost off with his chainsaw. And then you can't hardly run. And you spend the next 20 minutes just trying to get away from him. And then it drops you into a completely different area and, and sort of like resets your expectations of what's going to happen. And suddenly you're in a, a, a an ambulance and you crash in the forest outside of this village. And it becomes this other thing where you're creeping through this village surrounded by whacked out, possessed villagers with torches and pitchforks and scythes and stuff. And you don't have, you have like six bullets to your name. And it's just, every time you think you've got a footing, the world completely shifts into like some dank cavern, a weird trap dungeon. Um, back into the real world supposedly and then something else crazy will happen in the middle of it so it 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 you just you never understand what's happening and you don't you don't really are, are you're not really given the information to understand what's happening until very late in the game so you like we explained up top that you're trapped inside the mind of this madman so that's why the world is is so untethered as it is but you don't know that until very late in the game so you spend a lot of time not knowing what the hell is going on not having any clear rules of what the game is to help you prepare for what might be next and the world will just change at a moment's notice um it's it makes it this is one of the most um stressful games i've ever played the, my first playthrough of this game took me probably it took me almost a year to beat this game because every time I would get past some really intense section and there's some incredible uh, encounters in this game. There's a handful of bosses um, and the first two, well, three, if you count Chainsaw Man, although I don't think you ever fight him. Yeah, you do. Um, you fight him in a barn. Uh, you were actually right. You do fight him in a barn. Uh, oh, that first, is him. Oh, that's right. You take his chainsaw to open the gate. Yeah, that's right. when you're taking the, taking the doctor through that little village area. 
Right. So the first three bosses are this chainsaw guy, this creepy multi-armed ring-looking lady named Laura, who we eventually find out is a manifestation of Ruvik's sister, and then this safe head guy with his head is a safe, it's wrapped in barbed wire, and he's got this big mallet. Is it a mallet? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hammer with a spike on the back of it. And right, just right, right, right. real quick, um, and then I'll let you continue. Sure. They're all manifestations of his psyche. Like uh, the um, what, what you find out that they're doing is, is he's trying to implant his mind onto uh, this... Uh, I, I guess he's autistic. Uh, uh, he's, patient he's one named of the, Leslie. Yeah, and, he's just one of their patients. Yeah, and he is um, trying to get the power to do this by harvesting the minds of people that are put in the stem. So when these guys are initially getting put in the stem, chainsaw guys essentially their butcher, and will you know process them, them through. But you get you get away from him. And like to, his, to be clear, stem is the inception thing that they build out of his mind. Correct. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, You're fine. And then the uh, keeping us honest. I know his sister is like a representation of his rage. Um, you know, because uh, you find out that they were burned to death by um, uh, angry, <laughs> angry villagers. villagers. <laughs> uh, well, she was burned to death. He was burned alive and is completely scarred. Uh, and then Safehead is basically his last line of defense, uh, pretty much for Sebastian to get you know past him and into his mind proper. His um, secrets, yeah, his secrets and his traps, and uh, you know just getting beyond that. So they're all kind of those representations, and they're all horrifying. Please continue. I just wanted to touch on yeah. that real quick. Yeah, and they're really cool. You encounter each one of them twice. Um, right. And each and the parameters of each encounter are different, which I love. Like Chainsaw Guy, we just said you meet him in this big, great big chase, and then you fight him later. He's chained up in a barn for the entirety of this level, so you know he's in there, and you know you're going to have to deal with him at some point. But you spend quite a bit of time creeping around the village, accomplishing other secondary tasks before he finally busts out. So it's a really good yeah. level of keeping attention there. If you're, um, Laura, if you're smart clearing out that area. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I'm on my third playthrough, so I clear out the area and then just let them come out and I blow them away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this game is very satisfying in, in replays, but we'll get to that in the Boneyard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and Laura, I think, is the scariest uh, boss I've ever uh, encountered in any game. Mm. She's just pretty about. scary. Hard, um, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you, but go ahead. <laughs> She's just fucking frightening, and both times you have to fight her, they're essentially chases, where yeah. you have to you have to like lure her into fire traps because she's weak to fire, and it, it, so you take her out once and you think you're safe, but then a, she comes back to life and chases you down this elevator, and then the second time you have to fight her is through this maze-like series of hallways where you have yeah. to stop and shoot these little valves, and then you it comes that. to this room. It yeah. is where you have to basically lead her around on a chase and trigger these different things uh, to trap her uh, and and eliminate her. Because while you can damage her with her your weapons, she has very very deep health pool and she can one hit kill you. And she's just she's frightening to look at. She has frightening sound designs. It and you're being chased by her. So it's like a combination of the scariest things that video games can do to you. 
Yeah, and um, especially I hate you, I hate fighting Laura. You, when you're running away from her, and then you hear her like she starts like, scampering Wah! faster, and then, like that wail that she does. Oh my oh, god! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And she erupts uh, up through bodies, so you have to like do the body burning mechanic to like try to take out her little entrances. It's but you also have to save so your matches harrowing. and your fire in order to fight her. So it's like, yeah, do I want to destroy these entrances or do I want to just get rid of her? You know, hopefully yeah. quicker. Um, it, safe it head sucks. Scared me more than Laura did. Um, and the second safe head encounter is bracing. When you are in this basement that's filling up with poisonous gas and you have to locate these different valves and turn them off. Um, and you think like you can, you can put him down, but he will, they're just these like little safes everywhere. And he will materialize like Laura through these bodies. He will come back up through one of these safes. So you think you've got him, at one point, you've got him locked on the other side of this big steel door that he can't get through. And you're like, ha ha, motherfucker. And then he just breaks his own neck and appears in one of the safes in the same room with you. And you have to figure out how to stun him long enough to turn these valves, which feels like you're turning them for like a half an hour. And it's just so... Like, I, I, I sweat through that part. Oh, yeah. Your head's on a swivel. And every time you get him in that crusher at the end of the boss fight, I'm like, yeah, you motherfucker. You know, like. Yeah. Just cr- just weeping and sweating. and Yeah. Snot dribbling down the face. Sn- yeah. <laughs> like the front of my pants are all wet. Um. So, yeah, the. The later bosses really are disappointing compared to that. Um, but, uh, though, man, those first three are so intense. Um, there's, uh, like we mentioned, it's an old school um, Resident Evil type survival horror game. So you are really desperately starved for resources, at least on your first playthrough. Yeah. So it, fighting your way through um, an encounter is almost never an option. You truly do have to make each bullet count. Um, and sometimes which, you just have to book and sometimes you just have to run. So it makes man, <laughs> it makes for so many in like, so even outside of the frightening ass boss encounters, every like scene to scene, um, uh, in encounter on, on the, on the basic levels are, are harrowing as shit too. Because like, man, right. I don't have any bullets. I don't know what kind of monster is going to be in this next thing. You can have um, one half of a bullet, you yeah. big baby. The uh, there's a, a lantern and a sneak mechanic, which are kind of kind of new, at least at the time, for uh, survival horror action games, where there's a genuine like built-in sneak mechanic where you can crouch down and sneak around, and you can get stealth kills if you're quiet enough. And then your lantern, which you can use um, because the game has very dynamic lighting. Um, it was an early title for ps4 so it was an early title on the new consoles and they were all eager to show off their lighting capabilities and this game is very very dark so you're you're often left with a a choice to make because the bad guys can see your lantern so you're like well do i want to see in this dark spooky ass hallway or do i want to take my chances fumbling around in the dark because i don't want a ghoul to see my lantern um so every 
every step you take in this game, um, at least in your first playthrough, is so is so tense because you have no fucking idea what's gonna happen. <laughs> You'll be walking down a hallway one second with like two NPCs with you. Then you'll hear, like, Ruvik say something to you. You'll look around and you're totally by yourself and all the doors have vanished. Yeah. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, what's going to happen now? I just does, had to fight something. That You mentioned something that I wanted to uh, elaborate a little bit further on. We keep saying the world changes around you. And it's not just that you're suddenly pulled into a new environment. Things like that happen. Yeah. Where... It, it plays with where the camera is looking. And that was kind of a new idea at the time. A few other games have done it since then, like notably the Arkham games do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you'll look at something and then you'll look away. And when you look back at it, it's changed. And it does this to you a lot. So <laughs> without without any without any obvious like, oh, Ruvik says something or you notice like a pulse, it'll just it'll just kind of happen. Um, yeah like you'll open a door and then all of a sudden it's like a brick wall or something and then you'll turn around and the room is completely changed yeah um and or you'll like walk through something and all of a sudden the whole world starts turning and you're sliding down this hallway and then you'll end up either in a dungeon or in your uh hospital safe room uh with the nurse uh it's just Every time you take a step in this game, you're like, Ugh. "Yep, it's uh, it's ex- it's exhausting playing this game. It yeah. really is." Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. about all. That's about all I have to say about uh, for for old for old Spookaboo Manor. It, this game is scary as shit. Um, it is in fact so intense that it, it almost dares you to keep playing it, particularly the first time you play it. And particularly because the game is very front-loaded. Um, the scariest stuff is in the first six hours. Um, yes. Once you, get, once you get past that, it becomes much more action-oriented and it's much less scary. But, once, um, yeah. Man. Once you get into the city episode and it's just like... Sometimes when you're... To, to be an effective horror game, you have to be reasonably paced. And like you said, this game is they're, very front-loaded. And it and it has about two to three hours of excess, I think, on it. It's about two or three mm-hmm. hours too long. Because once you hit the city and the school bus at that point, you're just like, look, I'm still stressed out. I'm just exhausted at this point. I want this game to be over. And yeah. it doesn't it doesn't it, it doesn't seem to end and, the, and the, the sad part is once you get to the city it really kind of stops being scary and despite him saying he got back into it because so many of these games became action oriented becomes action oriented at the end of the game but we'll talk about that yeah. more uh in the boneyard yeah. um yeah, i do want to go ahead no you it sounded like you had a thought so please uh, go ahead. no i just wanted to touch on acting uh, in this because uh, some notable actors in this um, playing okay. uh, Sebastian is Anson Mount, who you guys might know from Hell on Wheels and the uh, that first Britney Spears movie. Um, and the Black Bolt when he blows his and, own and brains Black up. Bolt. Yeah. <laughs> Black Doctor Bolt. Strange. And Doctor Strange. And he's on that new uh, Star Trek show. What was that one where he's... Um, 
He's playing Christopher Pike. I can't remember the show. Strange now. New Worlds. Yeah. Uh, also, you have um, Jennifer Carpenter from Dexter and Quarantine. Dexter. She is Kidman. Uh, and uh, Yuri Lowenthal, who's uh, Sony's uh, video game universe Spider-Man, is your partner, Joseph. And playing a weird little goblin, Ruvik is a weird little goblin, Jackie Earl Haley. Yep. His is the easiest to pick up. Like, as soon as you find one of Rubik's audio diaries, you're like, that sounds like fucking Rorschach. Yeah. And you look it up, I'm like, yep, that's that's Jackie Earl Haley. All right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, I think just because some of the dialogue might be a little... Anytime you're, like, translating something from one language to another, somebody can kind of feel a little weird or stilted. Um, but the acting in it is, is uh, pretty decent. Um, it's okay. It's so okay. I think it's, it's 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 pretty decent. I mean, it's not like award winner or anything, but people, you know, Rubik not, is sufficiently creepy. Um, yes, the doctor I, I, I think has got a creepy voice. The nurse oh, is killing it. Oh yeah, the nurse is pretty appropriately. It, really kind of spooky and detached. Okay, yeah. that's that's fair. I was gonna say that I don't think the voice acting adds or subtracts from the horror except for Ruvik and the nurse. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's totally fine. It's not like the original e, uh, resident evil where the voice acting is so bad. It actually makes the game funny. Yeah. Um, but it's not like ground. It's not like great either. It's just, it's fine. It's fine. Um, it's fine. They, they spent all their money on their bad guy and that's, that's fine. That's what you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you think Jackie Earl Haley, uh, Claims a bigger paycheck than Anson Mount. He's got an Oscar nomination. Oh, that's true. He does. So. <laughs> I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I don't think I have anything left for Spookaboo Manor. Yeah, not um, for this section, except I was going to say, we mentioned how relentless it is and how front-loaded it is, um, and then it sort of drops off. I want to say that Respite is necessary for a horror yeah. game um, for really any kind of horror but I guess it's not it just depends on the kind of experience you're trying to deliver and it seems like the the designer of this game um, was really going for listen I'm sick of the direction that uh, survival horror has gone in in recent years so I'm just going to make this game balls out the scariest thing you've ever experienced for as long as I can keep it up just to like to, to, to slap all you dudes in the face. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so it's almost like he's punishing us in the first half of this game. And you're right. The respite is, um, uh, something that is important. He does put in there, but as the game progresses, even because we mentioned a safe room where you're in with this nurse, it's where you can upgrade, uh, your abilities um, and weaponry, and that's kind of your safe place. So anytime like you come back there and you hear this music, what is that song? I forget. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I forget. it's a piece of cla- it's a piece of classical music that everybody's heard it's, before. You'll you'll recognize it the second you'd be like, oh yeah, it's that song. But um, the as the game progresses, that hospital or the dot that nurse's office starts deteriorating and things start jumping at you and pulling you out of there. So by the end of the game, they're taking every 
you know, uh, oasis, any safe place are taking away from you. Yeah. Um, it, it really does everything it can to obliterate your sense of rules. Like I mentioned. So you really truly never know what is going to happen, whether or not you're safe. Uh, very tense, very scary. Yeah. Very scary. Um, well, let's sign Vincent's guest book. Yes. Thank you, Vincent. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Vince. Uh, Enjoy stay at Spookaboo Manor. <laughs> and uh, let's go out back to uh, the Boneyard. <laughs> Perhaps now we should go chasing through the Boneyard. All right. And this is where we talk about the bones of the game. You know, how is it as a game? Uh, the you know the gameplay and whatnot. So yeah. yeah. Um, you took point last one. You want me to grab this one? Sure, yeah. Go ahead. All right. Um, I think this game plays really well. Um, Agreed. It, it, pl- it, it plays pretty smooth. Um, like we mentioned, it's very close to Resident Evil 4. So if you've played Resident Evil 4 and you haven't played Evil Within, you've kind of played Evil Within. It controls just about the same. There's a couple of important differences. One, the camera is much tighter. Uh, it's a very, very tight camera. It, yeah, it's, you're like it's, right up Sebastian's butt almost. So, yeah, it, you really have to... It sort of kind of forces you to move more slowly. Because if you're trying to... The the quicker you move, the harder it is to get your bearings. Um, so it sort of forces you to move slowly and also kind of is, is building in a sort of detriment to sprinting uh, that you're going to be doing a lot of. Um, also, weapons, it limits your vision of people oh, yes. around you, so they can sneak oh, yes. up on you, and they will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it definitely limits your peripheral vision too, having the camera be that type. Um, there's also a film grain built in on top of all the light uh, the lighting we talked about earlier, so it's it's even more kind of difficult uh, to completely be aware of your surroundings. So you're never you never really quite feel at ease because of that. Um, but uh, the movement and stuff controls really well. Um, I really like the inventory system. Um, for some reason, it's you, you click in the, the right thumbstick and it brings up your inventory wheel and you have all of your weapons available to you. You don't have to mess with like an attache case. You don't have to mess with like a stash. Everything you have is right there. But you and can it only slows have... everything down while you're doing it too. So it's not like you have to hurry up and like oh my god so it is it i do like that weapon wheel doesn't stop it though <laughs> no it, <laughs> it just doesn't. makes everything move really slow um but yeah so you have everything you want at your disposal um the uh the sneaking stuff is pretty well implemented at this point bethesda even though bethesda i think just published the game but yeah. they've been refining refining sneak mechanics for a long time um, and this is very basic, but it works very well. It's very well implemented. You you do it feels fair. It doesn't feel random when you get spotted. And there's a very clear spotting mechanic where an eyeball will show up on screen. It's very gamified, and it feels very intuitive, and always feels fair, and feels very satisfying when you're able to to sneak your way through a scenario and stab some ghoul in the back of the head or something. The guns all feel really cool to fire. Um, um, they the all agony feel crossbow, though. I'm getting to it. <laughs> that the crossbow, agony crossbow. <laughs> so the the array of guns are you're pretty standard. There's a revolver, standard pistol, a magnum, a shotgun, a sniper rifle. Those are all great. 
you can level them up to to have better reload times and and bigger magazines and do more damage there's no alternate fire modes or anything but they all feel very satisfying to fire and then there's the agony crossbow which is the coolest thing about this game in my opinion yeah in terms of gameplay so you have this crossbow that you can get i don't know nine different types of bolts for um there's a lot of them there's like an electrical there's a fire there's a flash one um, a freeze. There's a freeze one. An explosion. I used to freeze so much in mm-hmm. that game. Uh, Especially standard, in the boss fights later. Yep. Yeah. A standard harpoon. Um, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, the Agony Crossbow is like the coolest weapon. Um, and it's like kind of your saving grace almost. Like your, your beacon uh, in, in the middle of all of this desperate survival horror. Because you can craft bolts for it you can find bolts in the world but you can craft them as well by collecting parts from traps and bombs that you diffuse yeah Uh, diffuse those bombs diffusing the bombs bombs. is tough (laughs) oh my god especially like later in the game when it just starts moving way faster and then you get blown up and it alerts everybody (laughs) it does a lot of damage on top of it yeah it's it's cool it's a real risk reward mechanic that it that is difficult but it doesn't feel cheap like you know it's a risk to try to defuse the bomb you can just sneak past them but if you're like man i really want those parts so i can build more bolts you got to roll those dice and it's a cool and you little get better you get better as you keep doing it you get better yeah. at it and to the to the point where like towards the end i'm like doing it with no problem like you said the game's very fair it doesn't like all of a sudden just start changing the rules on you yeah uh, and so. each um each bolt in the agony crossbow you can level up and those kind of do they don't get alternate fire modes but they get alternate sort of behaviors like the the fire uh bolt you know uh, for the first several levels it's just you know a bolt that's on fire but when you max it out it becomes a fire bolt that also shoots four jets of of flames in in every direction and continues to burn for like 10 seconds after you fire it so this crossbow fucking rules the crossbow's <laughs> the best thing in the game it's clutch in every boss encounter. Um, it's it's my best friend in those terrifying Laura encounters because she hates fire. So I'm like, well, I got some fire for you. Yeah. Um, it's it's really cool. Um, yeah. Man, the 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 puzzles are are simple but fun. I think. Um, the different environments are really cool. Um, and and spooky. And there's always a little bit of exploration to do. The game's fairly linear, but there's always a little bit of exploration. There's some secrets you can find and additional uh, jars of brain goo that you can go searching for. Yeah. Um, it's viscerally very. The combat's viscerally very satisfying. Heads blast apart. Um, oh yeah. You can you can knock enemies over and set them on fire, um, and with your matches, and then they'll set any any nearby enemies on fire. There's little oil slicks you can find on the ground to set yeah. on fire and trap enemies. Um, the gameplay is with matches. super super it's satisfying. Pretty, yeah, they get, you, you kind of can. People with matches. Yeah. You know, I, I would be doing that a lot with like um, if you get charged uh, by a bunch of them, I would like blast one of their legs out with a sh- with the shotgun, set him on fire. And then mm-hmm. his buddies that are coming will catch fire as well, and they'll all die. Yeah, so there's it's... strategic ways to get around yeah. the uh, resource scarcity because you can get matches pretty easily. Um, so yeah, yeah like until you just said, you can't. <laughs> until you can't, sure. 
but uh, uh, there's situations, there, there's there's strategies you can use that where you can take out six people with one bullet, like the way John just described. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Um, cool. Those are all my those are all my positives in the boneyard. So I'm gonna hand the baton. I'm gonna hand the bone baton over to you. I think of... because you know what I'm gonna get into. Um, it does play smooth the bo- until the bone you. G- yeah, the bone ton. Here, hand me your bone. Um, the it it plays smooth. You're right until it gets to the end, um, where. You, when you get to the city, and I'm talking specifically like when you get to the school bus, uh, where you're trying to Ugh. get to back to the um, mental institution in Rubik's mind, you have to get on this bus and basically drive across this city while this giant spider monster is chasing after you. And it makes several stops where you get boarded by like five or six dudes, and it just turns into an action game at that point. Um, there's even a, a portion where you get in the back of a Humvee with a machine gun and you have to start gunning like waves of these guys down. And those controls move real smooth. Like if you're in like this survival horror where you can kind of have this slower reaction time. But when you get in the, you have in the, this area where you have to be very quick and um, mobile, it's just, it, it doesn't lend itself to that action, I don't think. And man, I did not like that portion of the game at all. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it just it just feels like it turns into a different game at that point. A and game that it's not really it doesn't really have the systems to support it that well. I guess it's exactly just... that's kind of what I'm trying to say. It, it's yeah. just like, all right, you're you know, um, you know, you're 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 setting up this this uh, survival horror game that's really tense, like low ammo, low resource survival horror game, and now all of a sudden I'm in, you know, Resident Evil Five or Resident Evil Six, where I'm just like I have to get all these bullets, have to shoot waves of these guys, and it turns into just kind of a generic action horror game at that point. It is yeah. not nearly as enjoyable as it was at the beginning of the game. Yeah, um, and the last the last couple of bosses, like that spider guy, that invisible thing in the sewer, and then mm-hmm. Rubik himself, which is just shooting at a giant brain. You're shooting at a giant brain, and it's just it 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 feels like they got to it's the under- end and didn't know what to do. Underwhelming after, especially after like like we mentioned, the first three bosses you encounter in this game are unforgettable mm-hmm. uh so intense uh you have to uh, fight them a few times so they're just like this relentless threat and then they just at the end of the game they just have these one-off bosses that are really boring and kind of very easy to kill yeah the the spider boss reminded me of like a, res- a monster from like resistance like one of those big monsters from resistance and you're yeah, just it's a turret sequence yeah yeah it's just you're just um, you know, blasting these guys and just in a big firefight at the end of the game. The invisible guy is kind of cool, but you only like see him for about five minutes. So I keep forgetting he's even in the game. Yeah. And uh, he sort of comes out of nowhere and then you just kind of, you fight him and that's it. 
So it, yeah, and I would liken the the end boss of this game a lot to like Frank Fontaine and Bioshock. You have this wonderfully put together game. You know, you've really felt like you've had a unique experience, especially in this game, which is just like I said, this is one of the scariest fucking games I've ever played in my life. And then you just kind of end it with this giant brain. It's just kind of a wet fart in a bag. I mean, it's all right. It's not even hard. You just get on a. It's 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 like a cut. It's kind of a cutscene, kind of a um, quick time event. Ba- yeah, it's yeah. basically if the tyrant fight. If everybody remembers the tyrant fight in the end of the first Resident Evil, if they skipped the fight and just jumped to the part where you shoot it with a rocket launcher, like that's the brain fight in this game. Yeah, it's almost impossible to lose it. Yeah, no, so, you, you you cannot lose this thing. Which it, 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 on one hand, I sort of like kind of welcomed it because, well, at like, that like point, you said you're sort of exhausted by the time you get to the end of this game. Well, then end the game earlier. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, end the game a little bit earlier. End the game it's, earlier. It, it takes about 12, 13 hours to beat. It should take about nine. Yeah, it, like I think, um, I think that's going to be kind of like a baseline for us. It's like nine hours, eight, eight to ten hours is probably like yeah, the best length we'll for see. a horror game. We'll see. Um, um, they're also did you have any yet? really Go good games that are a lot shorter. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. I like how it looks like a grindhouse movie. You know? Um, yeah. I really yeah, like that aesthetic cool. a lot. Uh, Sebastian looks like a empty, wet pack of cigarettes. Um, <laughs> he does. He looks like a soggy pack of Marlboros. Yeah, he does. And... Uh, not even Marlboro. He looks like a soggy pack of cam- he looks like a he looks like a pack of camels floating in a toilet. Yeah, these monsters do not care that he's a police officer. Oh, absolutely not. Why would no, they? They're they're all a cab in this game. Um, <laughs> I tried to arrest the chainsaw guy. He cut my head off immediately. Um, yeah, no, he doesn't. He respect. doesn't recognize your authority. No. He's a sovereign citizen. Did you say it's? What did you say? There are my your badge is a meaningless piece of tin to these guys. Um, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Uh, the st- the story is still pretty goofy. Like how Kidman was able to infiltrate the police. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's very Resident it, Evil. It's very Resident it gets, Evil. It, it gets into some Resident Evil ass gobbledygook. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the whole premise is you're incepting a, a serial killer. So you know, yeah. Yeah, you're incepting a serial killer who somehow, even though he's a uh, brain in a jar, has somehow incapacitated everybody in the hospital. I don't know. They've they explain it somehow. Uh, it didn't make too much sense, but he can no. apparently just like he can pulse out this noise that brings you into stem. I guess. Yeah, or they're or they're like the 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 bad guy Illuminati group was in there and knocks you out. that doesn't matter it's well i mean it is it does kind of because story is important but the um you get the gist of it enough to like oh okay and you, you kind of start figuring out that you're in the movie cell uh like am i in fucking cell yeah and um yeah you are and it's a uh, it's pretty fun game it's pretty spooky uh, I did not like any, I was done with the Eastern European areas because they scared me. <laughs> I was like, this is, I don't like this. 
Yeah, I don't want to be in Poland anymore. Poland yeah. in the 1920s. Whenever um, he was from, like, essentially, like, he's Hannibal. Like, he's yeah. from Eastern Europe yeah. and angry villagers like murdered his sister. Like, pre-World War II somehow. Yeah. Um, I've got a few more thoughts. Um, Go if ahead. You're... All right. Um, so there's a locker hiding mechanic uh, that I hate. I hate it in every game. Um, and I feel like this game came out in a period of, of where we were making horror games where you hide in lockers, right? There's like Alien Isolation, Outlast, this game, Dead by Daylight. I never um, We really locker. thought hiding in place and holding your breath was like the future of survival horror, and it just wasn't. You notice that mechanic's not really in games anymore because it's boring. It's dull. Um, yeah. And it's kind of inconsistent, too. It's good for tension, but it's not the best gameplay mechanic because it sort of brings the game to a halt where you just kind of have to stand still and just sit there. Uh, so I don't love that. I will argue that, um, and I really didn't ever use the hiding mechanic. Me either. Uh, Me either. But when, in the first part of the game, when you're running away from Chainsaw Pete in the basement, and you were hiding in the locker, and he's like looking around at you, that I would admit, I will admit that was a little bracing. <laughs> oh yeah, that was cool, and because that was where it was introducing the mechanic to you but then you do not need to use it ever again for the rest of the game yeah don't hide <laughs> under beds or anything like that they know you're there anyway no it's 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 so inconsistent there's like no rhyme or reason and a lot of games are sort of like that like i feel like it's kind of like that in alien isolation as well um but anyway we can cover that on an alien isolation episode i hate hiding in lockers i hate that mechanic um we mentioned the game is front-loaded as hell um both to its benefit and detriment um, and I mentioned that it took me about a year to beat this game. And that's because being so intense up front definitely makes it one of the most stressful and scary games I've ever played. You have ever played, but it also makes it kind of a difficult game to play. Like it's a pretty steep learning curve. Like it's a huge barrier for entry for both particularly casual fans, but also for like fans of horror, like myself, like, this game is so stressful. Uh, yeah, if this was a ski slope, so. this would be like uh, Black Diamond for horror horror gamers. Yeah. You yes, have to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be uh, experienced to play this. Yeah, it's it's so intense for so long from jump that it's like it it's it's almost like it's deliberately trying to get players to put it down and never pick it back up because it's not it's not only scary it's very hard and every time you die the loading times are, are quite long not, less so now that i'm playing it on ps5 but on ps4 oh, yeah. man those load times it, it i started to get it, my fear of being killed by like laura start it wasn't that i was necessarily frightened of the encounter i was just like god i don't want to sit through another 45 second load screen to go back to the beginning of this encounter um, or yeah, like uh, in that scene where you're with Joseph, and you have to snipe these guys that are shooting. It's, a, it's oh, actually yeah. the second time you have to fight a chainsaw guy, and they kill you. Where they're carrying like, him to the guillotine. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "Oh, that that's before this." I thought it was before or after. I forget. But anyways, like you'll like get up to this point, and then you'll get killed, and they're like, "All right." Well, you have to do all this whole sequence over again, and it's oh Jesus Christ! So yeah, the uh, the save points are kind of brutal. There's no there's yeah. a, you can manually save in the nurse's office, but other than that, you're sort of at the mercy of an auto save feature, and they they can be pretty brutal. Yeah, you're at the mercy of Shinji Mikami at that point, and he has no pity. 
He's like, I feel like he's actively mad at me as I'm playing this game. Um, I think he is. Okay. So we mentioned that not only is the game intense, but the primary encounters, the bosses, are very hard. Like Laura, Safehead, Chainsaw Guy, they're pretty difficult encounters that require a lot of memorization and a lot of like split second reactions. Like you Especially have to, Laura. Especially Laura. So it's that's really good in terms of being a frightening game, but it kind of sucks in terms of being a game. Because when you fuck that shit up, if you haven't memorized it completely, if you mess up one of the split second things, you get killed instantly and you have to start the whole thing over. Which means sitting through a protracted loading screen and then getting sent back to the very beginning of an encounter. And it's very frustrating. I'm going to disagree with you as as far as, you know, it being relentlessly hard. It's kind of more like... um, I mean, they are hard, but uh, it's more like uh, these these bosses are almost like puzzle fights because there's a certain yeah. way you have to approach them and you kind of have to solve the puzzle, you know, that is what they are. So, like, on my second or third playthrough, you know, safe head is no problem. Laura is no problem because um, you kind of know what you're supposed to do. But in the in the thick of it still, I think it's fair um it's just (laughs) it gets you to it's it's it gets this game intends to make you panic um so and and if you panic you get killed (laughs) it's difficult to remember memorization patterns and make split second decisions while you're panicking so so i think that actually adds to the horror of the game Oh, like, I, that's that's what I said. I said it's great in terms of being a scary game. It's less good in terms of being a game because it's sort of like you're kind of fighting the game at that point. Um, and it just, I, I don't know. It's the length of the loading times and the brutality of the auto save save points feels a little more punitive to me than it should be because it's already so intense. Like you said, it's 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 deliberately inducing panic in each of these situations. So it's just a it's a brutal experience getting yeah, through some of these encounters. So many times where I'm being rushed by the slow as hell zombie, and this was especially in my first playthrough, where I'm just firing wildly because I'm panicking, and yeah. these these zombie guys move so slow. Um, but like the first time through and you're getting rushed and they're all moving slow towards you, but they're, it's getting you just to slap that trigger and just misfire. Um, (laughs) it's, it's, it's embarrassing, but it's, 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 it adds, I don't, I, I kind of disagree with you on it, like not being good for a game. Cause I guess that's really just depending on what kind of experience you want in the game. Um, okay. Maybe it's okay. like far, far as like a uh, quality of life thing and trying to pull in um, more, uh, you know, um, casual players. But I don't think that's what he was aiming for on this one. This no, is a pretty not. niche game and good at what it does. I think it could be a little less punitive, but that's just me. All right. Yeah. Um, that's just become okay, being so- a dick. For sure. Yeah, no, I don't doubt it. Um, it's like you like your Resident Evil 5 now, you piece of shit. Yeah, eat your slop, you slop hogs. Yeah. Okay, 
So you can really tell that this is sort of like a, a new game in a new generation of hardware because it, it feels kind of like the Super Mario World of survival horror games in the sense that it's trying a bunch of stuff out using the new hardware and a bunch of new systems that it's able to do with the new hardware and not all of them work. Um, for instance, the melee system is useless. Might as well not be in the game. <laughs> so much. They, they approved that in the second one, but we're not talking about the second one. We're not talking about the second one. We're talking about this one. The melee system is trash. trash. You can pick up, you can pick up melee weapons that are instant kills on, on lower level enemies, but just like, just have that be a way you can escape from grabs, which you cannot escape from in this game. If an enemy grabs you, you're getting hit Yep. Um, for a lot of damage. Yep. I also think, even though I said the film grain was cool for horror and atmosphere, I think it's a weird, I think it's too many hats. Like, I think the film grain is a weird choice. It doesn't make much sense because it's not a retro game. Like, it doesn't take place in a retro time. It's not like evoking retro things it's just throwing film grain on just as a generic sort of like horror trope you don't think um, that that helps with like the ambience and the disorientation the otherworldliness of where you're at i do i think it helps for the the vibe and the mood of the game but it makes the game harder to play in a way that it shouldn't like it's already a very dark game um yes so and with the camera like we mentioned it's so very tight on sebastian it's like hugging your shoulders so that on top of the fact that it's very dark on top of the fact that there's this film grain boy it <laughs> sometimes i don't i can't even make shapes out of what i'm looking at um and that's not great i don't appreciate that <laughs> like i i appreciate the vibes and i appreciate the immersion but at the end of the game it's at the end of the game at the end of the day it's a game right. um don't it, prevent me from playing it with your bells and whistles it, it, that is can be frustrating where you can hear them like on a eh, 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 in like a corner or something like i i can't see them i guess they're not here and then all of a sudden some old lady sticks a knife in my ass out of nowhere and i'm like where the hell did you come from yeah and i get any one of those things i think on their own i'd be fine with like i i appreciate being in a situation where i can't quite see what's going on and you know, oh, I've got to make decisions based on that. But when you're putting mm -hmm. three levels of things that limit or, obs or, obscure, or obscure or obstruct my vision on right. top of each other, it feels like a little too much. Well, the level designs are already... Much. The level designs, are, especially in the f beginning of the game, are already kind of like real brown. And then you put that grainy, like, you know, the brown tinged, uh, you know, film on there. And then all the zombies are wearing like brown outfits it's yeah, just, they're all wearing earth tones yeah they're all wearing earth tones it it can be very hard to discern yeah. um where these things are they're all so, wearing drum circle vests yeah they are um okay they're all dressed like it's dingus day so um okay so the opening stealth section the opening chase um really cool like we said a lot of uncle unclear rules and systems in place, which is by design. Um, as we mentioned, a big part of this game's fear factor is constantly keeping you disoriented. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're throwing me into a situation that's gamified and I need to game my way through it, I need to know what I'm supposed to do. Um, and a lot of times in this game, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Um, like in that opening scene... Um, 
I'll sneak past Chainsaw Man and the eyeball won't be on screen. And then suddenly he'll burst in there and he sees me and then murders me. Right. Um, so you, you basically, this game forces you to die over and over and over again while you're still trying to learn how to play it. I don't and think that's it a tells little... you to even pick what? up the key to get out of the room. It might. I'm not sure. But um, I think that's overly punitive. I think, you know, related to the the difficulty of the encounters and, and how they require so much memorization, split-second decisions on top of the panic mechanic, panic mechanic, um, and then the, the film grain on top of the low lighting, on top of the close camera. It sounds like a boss for one of these games. The panic, Pan- the the panic mechanic. Laura, yeah. the panic mechanic. You can call him the panic mechanic, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's just this game i think in an effort to be oppressively scary it sometimes um ventures into the area of being overly punitive uh like it's 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 punishing me for not knowing how to play it in the first 10 minutes of the game it's like motherfucker i don't know how to play this game like you got to tell me how to play it um well, and there's there, part of it was cool like we mentioned and it's great for the horror aspect but there are moments where it seemed where it felt cheap to me where it was like okay like this is like you need to you're you're deliberately withholding shit from me right now that I kind of need to know you know what you you need to do tom you need to get good that's true i do need, need to get, get good. good okay i've got one more thing to hit and then we can leave the boneyard um, you get a lot of bones out of this boneyard i'm getting a lot of bum digging up a lot of bones man listen yeah, i only come you- out here I only come out here once a month. I'm going to take, um, I, I empty out my trunk. I, I clear plenty of bone space uh, so that I can maximize my bone trips for, for, for peak efficiency. Vince, um, Vincent's going to be pissed. He's not going to have any bones back here. He's going to have to refill he's these, not be these goddamn kids. He's going to refill the bones anyway. <laughs> I'm just glad their bones are going to a new home. Um. Okay. So... The game, as we mentioned, the narrative is surreal and disjointed on purpose to keep you disoriented the entire time. Um, But that sort of also works against it a little bit in terms of being a game, in my opinion. The game's disjointed nature makes it hard to get any kind of narrative momentum going, uh, if you know what I mean. Like, you're always confused about where you are, what's happening, what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be going. Um you're never sure kind of where you're at in the story, um, which That's makes true. it, I will agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Which honestly, on top of it being so intense, particularly in the first half, it makes it extremely difficult to keep logging in and playing um, be- because your only reward is going to be uh, more intense scenarios that are obtuse and difficult to master on top of a story that is, all but incomprehensible entirely until you're pretty late in the game um, and you have all the pieces in front of you. And it's just this relentlessly bleak and terrifying motif around you. So it's, it's hard to keep playing this game <laughs> I would <laughs> because I get, it's so I, disjointed. I guess it's just kind of depends on the player that's playing it because I see what you're saying, but I didn't, I, I almost had like a dark souls, um, approach to this where it's like when you finally like when you finally get past a point that's been trying you you finally like beat laura or safe head or the chainsaw guy 
um, you, you, I, you get that kind of euphoria. You're like, oh, God, finally, I killed the monster under my bed. And um, that's, you know, what uh, Mikami said he was going for, you know, killing the monster on your last bullet and just having that uh, uh, sense of, you know, not closure, but accomplishment uh, in, in, you know, taking him out. That's what kept me playing the game. And it, and I might be doing a lot of the work for the, for the game at this point, but Sebastian is supposed to be a detective. So I think the game is expecting you to piece some of this stuff together yourself, uh, much like a dark souls game. Um, but you know, whereas I like that. Yeah. I could see how that's like a legitimate problem for people that are, you know, just trying to play a game. Um, but I didn't, I don't think I'll agree with you that some of the, that, you know, especially with like, you know, the disjointed nature of the game and just being like, well, where the hell am I? What am I doing? Um, I, it, I didn't have as big a problem with it. That's fair. Um, as, as, because again, I'm a souls boy. I'm used to this kind of shit. So it's, that's one of my, one of my problems with the souls games. It's hard for me to stay engaged because it it's all a feels legitimate so great. Yeah. It all feels so random. It's just it's hard for me to stay right. engaged. And that on top of the ridiculously high early difficulty spike. Like difficulty <laughs> spikes typically come later in a game. This one starts on one and it doesn't let yeah, up for it hours. spreads its butt cheeks and farts right in your face. This game this does game is, not give a damn. It's never harder than it is in its opening hours. Like the first Good six God. hours, hardest part of the game. Yeah. Um, so that's why so, you're exhausted yeah. by the time you reach the city which doesn't need to be in the game. Um, But I think we've dug up all the bones we can dig, unless you have We have tilled this bony earth and pulled up all of these bone turnips. We better get out of Uh, here. Vincent's shaking his head at us. He does not look happy. Yeah, we he he this this was not part of the arrangement. Yeah, let's let's I don't think he's mad about the bones so much as all the holes we dug in his yard. Yeah, he's gotta fill those in. Well, that's uh, a good time to get into our ratings uh, and then whether or not we buy the VHS. First, what we're going to do is we are going to rate the horror of the game, uh, give it a horror rating. We're going to give it a gameplay rating, just how much fun it was as a game. And then we're going to decide whether or not this goes in the collection. Is this in Vincent Price's bookshelf or video shelf? Um, First... Right in the horror. One out of ten spookaboos. Tom, what do you got? Man, we've said it a bunch. I feel like I need to... I mean, I guess we can revisit it, but we've said a bunch that this is the scariest game either of us has ever played, so I think I feel like I'm obligated to give it ten spookaboos. Just hand them mm. over. Man. I'm not even going to count them. Here. I opened the Ark of the Covenant, and all the spookaboos came out. 10 spookaboos for me as well. This game scared the shit out of me. And I, I'm not like, I, I have fun at like haunted houses and I'll like, you know, giggle and scream and stuff like that, but I'm really not that easy to scare. And this game scared the shit out of me. Yeah. So yeah, 10 spookaboos <laughs> well <awful>. earned. <laughs> 10 spookaboos well earned. All right. Um, now we're doing the gameplay, right? And what's our rate? Yep. The bones, right? Oh, bones. The bones. Look at the bones, Tom. How many of these? 
how many of these how bones many? that I don't know, I ripped you got a wheelbarrow full of them. Yeah, I've got so many bones to go around. Um, rating the gameplay on it, a one out of ten bones. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna give this five. Really, five? Yeah, I'm. I was thinking about maybe going six, but I think the basic combat and inventory system and the agony crossbow and the basic sneaking are all fun mechanics, but I think the game is so obviously and um, disproportionately focused on being scary that it's a less satisfying gameplay experience uh, from a, from a gameplay standpoint. That's my opinion. Mm. I feel like it's like I said, I feel like it's overly punitive in a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, and you definitely don't come to this game for the gameplay necessarily. I do think the um, Agony Crossbow is fun. I like the uh, leveling up systems. Um, the controls are still pretty tanky. Um, oh, yeah. So when you get into, especially the later parts, uh, where there's just wave after wave of guys coming at you, it just that does not play into this game's the way it controls. So I'm, I'm on, I got a couple bones to pick with that. So I'm just going to take that away from the from the ten bones, and I am going to give it six. Okay, um, it's not low enough for me to get because the it's it's not low enough to um, for me to give it a five. But I still loved the puzzles in this game. Um, and like I said, the sense of accomplishment I got when you beat a particularly terrifying boss, like I stood up and shouted at my TV and told Safehead to go to hell when, when you I got crushed him yeah. the first Oof, time. I was like, yeah, that's right. Fuck you, you motherfucker. Yep. Safehead <laughs> sucks. He sucks. <laughs> he scared the shit out of me because I couldn't figure out how to get rid of him. Um, All right. But yeah, so I give it I give it a I give it a six uh six bones for me. And I'm taking right. the rest home. Sounds great. Now let's move on to our final section. Would would you buy the VHS? Please tell me whether or not I should just buy this VHS. Basically, mm. would you buy this grimy pizza stained slipcase VHS from Blockbuster Video to add to your collection or would you leave it there on the shelf for some other fool teenagers to rent um I pose the question to you what do you think Tom I think it would be downright irresponsible not to buy this um it is yeah obviously yes standard I set I mean this game like Dead Space is one of it set kind of the standard for survival horror games for me more so than resident evil, because this is just like hardcore resident evil. Um, yeah. So it's resident evil. If resident evil smoked. Yeah. It's resident evil. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's resident evil. If resident evil did cocaine, yeah. um, it's resident evil drunk on a weekday. If it's it's Resident Evil with an with an ex wife and uh, oh yeah and a kid. several 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like it's it 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 has to go in. It it yeah, absolutely so. has to. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Even though I think it's lackluster in terms of a little lackluster in terms of gameplay, it is the scariest game I've ever played. Um, I've played it two and a half times already. Um, yes, obviously. Add throw this VHS up on the shelf. That's where it belongs in yes. my house. Yes, oh. and put a bunch of dream catches around it to catch the nightmares that are probably emanating off it. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, it's a keeper, guys. We're gonna, yeah. gonna have Vincent put this on the shelves. He's still pissed, but maybe he'll do that for us. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. he'll be fine. All um, right, man. Well, I think we've talked long enough. I think that's a sewed. Oh, we've guys. done it. Oh, the oh, evil man. within. I'm still scared. I know. I'm. 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 I'm checking all the dark corners of my room. Thank you so much for listening. Um, John, what, what do you want to tell them? What, what, well, what do you, what guys, you thank you so much for listening. Um, please check us out uh, and uh, leave a rating um, or a review or just shout at us. Let us know what kind of games you think we should uh, you cover in the future or what, uh, what you think. You can uh, tweet at me on 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 twitter why am i doing this like i'm a 60 year old man you can find know, me on man. twitter at johnny rhymes.com at johnny rhymes at johnny rhymes at johnny rhymes dot com uh You're no at johnny rhymes like an old man <laughs> what do i do what do i do with my hand it's the ricky bobby what do i do with my hands yeah, yeah. um but yeah you can find us uh if you're already listening to us um tom Take this away from me before I destroy it further. Yeah, let me let me take this back from you before you fucking break it. <laughs> uh, we have a Patreon. Over to patreon.com slash Gameplay Employee where you can find all kinds of exclusive podcasts like Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and Spiel Boys. Plus we have tiers where you can commission your own podcasts, your own We Just Watched episodes. We watch movies with our patrons every friday night there's a bunch of cool stuff on our patreon so check that out we also have a store head over to gamefullyunemployed.com where you can find a link to our teespring store which has all kinds of cool original artwork and designs you can get on t-shirts mugs stickers posters all sorts of things so slap your little ghoulish little boneyard peepers onto that your little safe head peepers over there um and yeah you can can tweet at me if you want to I i don't give a shit um the 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 dials are his eyes the dials um there's only one right. dial I think I think we're done here. Um, say goodbye. Goodbye, guys. Take care of yourselves. Bye. episode artwork is provided by doc garby you can follow him on twitter at underscore jd burrows underscore our channel artwork is produced by michael vincent bramley you can find more of his artwork at instagram.com slash mv bramley art